On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla held its Q4 earnings call. And as always, I've got the highlight clips from Elon Musk and the Tesla executive team, as well as analysis of all the big news from the event and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and this is Ride the Lightning, episode 391 for January 29th, 2023. I've got two sleepy pups to my left here, but I am wide awake for you. There is so much to get to this week with the Q4 earnings call, the shareholder letter, lots of interesting stuff to talk about. But real quick, I had forgotten to mention uh, on last week's podcast after the Franz interview that I had the good fortune to visit Unplugged Performance while I was at the Tesla Design Studio interviewing Franz, because as you may remember from the interview that I did with Unplugged Performance co-founder Ben Schaffer last year, Unplugged Performance and Tesla are, as Ben explains in the interview, by a crazy coincidence, they are neighbors in the same industrial complex in Hawthorne, California, you know, just just uh, sort of within the Los Angeles area. And so after I got done with Franz, I had I had emailed Ben ahead of time and he said, yeah, come on over. So I just walked over there because my flight wasn't until much later in the day. Uh, and their director, James, uh, James Headland, he was nice enough to meet up with me. Ben was actually out of town as it had turned out, but James was a super nice guy. He walked me around their whole very rapidly growing facility. They're in more than one building in that industrial complex uh, complex now. And they are cooking up some really cool, I mean, you know about a lot of it, the, the racing parts, the other aftermarket accessories, the actual race cars like they take to Pike's Peak. And uh, on that note, they're, they're growing so fast that they're hiring. James, as we were walking around, was like, yeah, I... I cannot hire fast enough. I need any, anybody good. You know, so he's talking about fabricators, builders, even he mentioned a seamstress to make, you know, interior pieces. So if you are a talented person interested in in making uh, basically modified Tesla stuff or accessories, parts, even, you know, modifying cars, drop them a line. You can go to their jobs page at unpluggedperformance.com slash careers and take a look. Maybe uh, maybe you fall into some awesome new career or or you know new chapter in a in a career and a path that you're already on. Uh, real quick too, before I get to the shareholder letter and the earnings call, I hope all of you that are kindly backing me on Patreon at that ludicrous tier or higher, that's the $10 a month tier. I hope you all enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode. I do those every single week for that tier and above on Patreon. This week, it was about my experience helping out my neighbor buy a Chevy Bolt from a dealership. I was lending my EV expertise and also just being a, a, a friendly ally in the, you know, the, the battle that you're braced for against any traditional car dealer. So I told that whole story because there were some battles to be fought, as it turned out. Uh, so you can check that out on Patreon if you're already backing me. If you're not already backing me and you you think, you know what, Ryan, I've been enjoying this podcast for a, while, for a long time now. 
I would love to support you. You can do that on Patreon. There's all the details of all the different tiers. In fact, uh, now if you do an annual pledge, which I've had in place, Patreon's had that for a while, where you can either pledge monthly or just once for an entire year, just do an annual pledge. Uh, I've upped the annual pledge discount to 10%. So if you do that $10 a month tier, uh, you'll get a full 10% off by doing the the 12-month annual pledge. So my Patreon page can be found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. All right, there is one more thing, but it's actual news. It's no, no side story or anything else. Some big news ahead of the earnings call. In fact, the day before the earnings call this past week, Tesla is doubling down at Giga Nevada and it will soon become Tesla's fifth vehicle production facility. Right now, they make battery packs there, they make drivetrains there, and they make some other components for the cars as well. But those are that's sort of the heart of Giga Nevada now. But uh, And then, of course, by fifth vehicle production facility, I'm excluding Giga Buffalo in New York because they make superchargers and they make solar panels as well as the solar roof tiles. So the big announcement this week from Tesla and Nevada Governor Joe Lombardo, Tesla writing on its website, we will be investing over $3.6 billion more dollars to continue growing Gigafactory Nevada, adding 3,000 new team members and two new factories, it'll be under one roof, a 100 gigawatt hour 4680 cell factory with enough capacity to produce batteries for 1.5 million light duty vehicles annually, as well as our first high volume semi factory. Semi is our fully electric combination truck with 500 miles of range and energy consumption of less than two kilowatt hours per mile. Note, first of all, they said first high volume semi factory. So I guess the the long-term plan is to be making enough Tesla semis that you need more than one production facility to handle them all each year. I hope we get to that point. That would be amazing to get, you know, as you've heard Elon say, I think I think it was brought up at the semi launch event that the uh, a semi truck, traditional, you know, diesel combustion engine semi trucks are they're only like 1% of vehicles on the road, but they're they account for something like I'm actually, I'm not remembering the exact number, but it was something crazy like 20% or 25% of the total emissions, vehicle emissions. So the more Tesla semis, the more electric semi trucks out there, the better. But anyway, getting back to this Giga Nevada expansion, this is obviously a big deal, both financially with another 3.6 billion going in, but also figuratively, this is a, a big deal as well. Giga Nevada is now officially home to the Tesla Semi. It was unofficial before, but now it's official. And, and again, kind of to my point a moment ago, I, I wonder what the total annual production capacity for the Semi is going to be there. But of more interest to me and probably of more interest to you is the other piece of this, and that is the 100 gigawatt hour battery cell factory that will be making 4680s. And notice, by the way, they specifically called out that it's enough batteries for a million and a half light duty vehicles. I think they're doing that so that we have 
better context for it, right? I don't think it means that the Tesla Semi's 4680 cells won't be made there. Uh, now we know at the moment that the 4680s are not in the initial run of Tesla Semi's, but they will be in time. And of course, uh, in, in time, the 4680s that do go into the Tesla Semi's will be made in that building. Uh, it would, you know, it just makes perfect sense. And we know that the Semi has an absolutely gigantic battery pack, so it's going to require a lot of cells just to feed one single Tesla Semi. That battery pack, upwards of 900 kilowatt hours, or nine times a Model S or Model X. Now, I suspect as far as light-duty vehicles, as Tesla phrased it, this 100 gigawatt hours per year is almost certainly going to feed the Model 3, which, as I've talked about, I expect to be transitioning over to the 4680s with that upcoming Project Highland revamp later this year. It's going to feed the, the Fremont-built Model Y. It's going to feed the, the new Tesla Roadster whenever it gets built, although that car will be a drop-in-the-bucket battery cell-wise as far as cell production, even with the massive, massive battery pack that the Roadster is supposed to have. Uh, and most of all, I believe that the 100 gigawatt hours coming out of Giga Nevada of 4680 cells will feed the Generation 3 platform, the compact sedan and the compact crossover SUV. You know, this is a cheaper solution, a more efficient solution, and arguably just a better solution overall than building an entire new facility facility to do these things somewhere else. It's great to see this, and I think this is only going to, it, it can't help but strengthen the, what I would call, in a good way, the symbiotic relationship that Giga Nevada has with the Fremont factory. They are within Tesla Semi range of each other, and that's been a lot of the the testing that's gone on over the past, you know, four plus years, five years of the prototype Tesla semis is making runs, parts runs back and forth between Giga Nevada and the Fremont factory. All right. So that big news preceded the shareholder letter and the earnings call. So then we get to that day. It was this past Wednesday. I'm going to start as I always like to with the Q4 shareholder letter, I'll give you the highlights and some analysis from that before we move to the audio clips from the earnings call, which as always, I've pared down for you into the key highlights. So the summary here from the shareholder letter, 16.8% operating margin for the full year 2022, $12.6 billion of gap net income for the year. Tesla writing in the shareholder letter, Q4 2022 was another record-breaking quarter, and 2022 was another record-breaking year. In the last quarter, we achieved the highest ever quarterly revenue, operating income, and net income in our history. In 2022, total revenue grew 51% year-over-year to $81.5 billion, and net income, GAAP, more than doubled year over year to the aforementioned $12.6 billion figure. Tesla continues by saying, 
As we progress into 2023, we know that there are questions about the near-term impact of an uncertain macroeconomic environment, and in particular, with rising interest rates. The Tesla team is used to challenges, given the culture required to get the company to where it is today. Nice little flex right there. In the near term, we are accelerating our cost reduction roadmap and driving towards higher production rates while staying focused on executing against the next phase of our roadmap. In any scenario, we are prepared for short-term uncertainty while being focused on the long-term potential of autonomy, electrification, and energy solutions. Our relentless cost control and cost innovation is why we believe that no other OEM is better equipped to navigate through 2023 and ultimately succeed in the long run than we are. So skipping ahead a little bit, my the next part here, my favorite chart in every shareholder letter, the installed annual vehicle capacity list that shows each factory, how many of each vehicle that it's capable of making, as well as the status of the upcoming vehicles in the, in the product roadmap. So nothing changed. You got California, SNX, capacity 100,000, status, of course, in production, Model 3 and Model Y in California, 550,000 of those combined, Giga Shanghai, greater than 750,000 3 and Y, Berlin, Model Y, greater than 250,000, Texas Model Y, also greater than 250,000, and then we get to Cybertruck in Texas, status tooling, Nevada, Tesla Semi, status pilot production, TBD, although we have been told whether maybe the plan will end up changing, but the last we were told the Roadster will be built in California, but TBD uh, under location, you have the Roadster listed still in perpetuity as in development, and then once again, RoboTaxi and others listed as in development. So the only change there there, uh, has the Tesla Semi moved to pilot production. As I, as I was alluding to there a moment ago, the Roadster sadly seems like it's not going to move off of that in-development status for a while, but at least Cybertruck should move to pilot production in a couple more shareholder letters from now. It will not be long at this point. Uh, further skimming down the shareholder letter for the highlights, this full self-driving beta number might be new. Take a listen to this. We have now released FSD beta to nearly all customers in the US and Canada who bought FSD, parentheses, approximately 400,000. This is an important milestone for our company. Every customer in the US and Canada can now access FSD beta functionality upon purchase slash subscription and start experiencing the evolution of AI-powered autonomy. Well, that 400,000 is probably almost all people who've paid the full boat for it. I suspect it is a small percentage of that 400,000 that are monthly subscribers. I'm not saying that as a a criticism or as any kind of bad thing. I just say that because the monthly subscription option is fairly new, whereas there are a lot of folks out there like me who've had FSD paid for for three, four, five years now, 
after buying it back when it cost a lot less than the $15,000 that it does today. Still, regardless, 400,000 cars, again, this is just in North America, is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, the shareholder letter was almost all good news, by the way, uh, as was the, the earnings call, which we'll get to. But uh, there was one, I think, possible exception to that wall of good news in the shareholder letter. I hate to leave this for last before we're going to go into the earnings call, although Tesla had it at the end of the letter, so here goes. Although I will caveat this by saying we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the earnings call here in a few minutes, so... This is, uh, there is more to say, but Tesla writing in the shareholder letter, Cybertruck remains on track to begin production later this year at Gigafactory Texas. Our next generation vehicle platform is under development with additional details to be shared at Investor Day on March 1st, 2023. Now, last quarter on the last earnings call, you may remember me saying that Tesla, I had called out that Tesla has been pretty consistent in using the mid-2023 terminology whenever they've mentioned the start of Cybertruck production. The fact that they are now using a less specific time window probably is going to give all of you Cybertruck reservation holders a little bit of pause. Now, there's still plenty of room for optimism, to be clear. We've, we know for a fact the GigaPress pieces are being installed at Giga Texas. And as you heard two episodes ago, Franz von Holzhausen talked plenty about the Cybertruck in my interview with him. So if it was that far away, Franz probably would not have been so open to talking about it. At least that's how I like to look at it. Kind of like how, you know, he didn't want to say much about the Roadster because the Roadster's still pretty far out. Cybertruck... It is the next big thing, and I'm not too worried about it. Although one way or the other, it sounds like we will get to find out the status of the Cybertruck, you know, more clearly, with more clarity, in about one month's time at that Investor Day coming up on March 1st. That's, again, just barely over four weeks from now. All right, let's get to the earnings call now that we're about 18 minutes into the podcast. I will start, as always, as the call itself starts, with Elon Musk's opening statement. This is seven minutes long. Take a listen. So, uh, 22, just going through a 2022 uh, recap, um, it was a fantastic year for Tesla. Um, it was our best year ever um, on every level. Our team did an amazing job. Uh, it's an honor, of course, to work with such such an incredibly talented group of people. Um, so in 2022, we delivered over 1.3 million cars um, and achieved a 17% operating margin, the highest among uh, any volume car maker. I think maybe among any car maker. Um, we, while doing so, we generated $12.5 billion in net income and $7.5 billion in free cash flow. Uh, importantly, the Tesla team achieved these records while 20, despite the fact that 2022 was an incredibly challenging year due to forced shutdowns, um, very high interest rates, and many delivery challenges. So it's, you know, it's worth noting that you know, all these records were in the face of massive difficulties. Um, a, credit to the, a credit to the team for achieving that. Um, the most common question we've been getting 
from investors is about demand. Uh, thus far, <clears throat> so, so, so I want to put that uh, concern to rest. Uh, thus far in January, we've, we've seen the strongest orders year to date than, than ever in our history. Um, we, we currently are seeing orders at well, almost twice the rate of production. So, that, I mean, that, that, it's hard to say whether that will continue twice the rate of production, but the orders are, are high. And, um, and we've actually raised the model at Y price a little bit in response to that. So uh, we do not. We, we think demand will be good despite probably a contraction in the uh, automotive, automotive market as a whole. Um, so uh, basically, price really matters. Um, I think there's just a vast number of people that want to buy a Tesla car, but can't afford it, and and so these price changes really make a difference. Um, for the average consumer, it's it's sometimes um, you know for those for people who are well you know have a lot of money they, they sort of forget about how important affordability is, um, and it has always been our goal at Tesla to make cars that are affordable to as many people as possible. So I'm glad that we're able to do so, um, and um, yeah, so I think it's a good thing, uh, all things considered. Um, we're also um, making very good progress on cost control, um, and uh, we're seeing the the costs uh, of production in Berlin and Austin uh, drop commensurate with the growth in in production. Um, so as as you'd expect. So, um, yeah. Uh, with respect to autopilot, as of now, uh, we deployed full self driving beta uh, to. Uh, in, on four city streets um, to roughly 400,000 customers in North America. This is a huge milestone for autonomy as FSD beta is the only way any consumer can actually test the latest, latest AI-powered autonomy. And we're currently at about 100 million miles of, of FSD outside of highways. And our published data shows that improvement in, state, in safety in safety statistics Safety statistics is very clear. <laughs> um, so um, we would not have released the FSD beta if the safety statistics were not excellent. <laughs> um, regarding batteries, production rate of 4680 cells reached 1,000 cars a week at the end of last year, and we're increasing capacity for 4680 cells by another 100 gigawatt hours, as announced uh, at Giga Nevada yesterday. Um, our long-term goal is to get to uh, well in excess of 1,000 gigawatt hours of cells produced internally um, and continue to, to use um, uh, other cell, cell providers. So to be clear, um, we, we will con continue to use other cell providers, just that the demand for uh, lithium-ion batteries uh, is quasi-infinite for, for, and will be for quite some time. So we feel we can... Uh, scale a lot faster um, using both suppliers and internally produced uh, cells. Um, <clears throat> and we've, we've got a, 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 an amazing plan for making the 4680 cell um, low cost and, and uh, high energy density. So um, energy storage also see, saw record growth and we, that, that is continuing to accelerate. Um, 
that's always worth remembering that the, the three pillars of a sustainable energy future are um, obviously uh, uh, electric vehicles, um, uh, solar and wind, uh, and then the third key item is stationary storage to store the energy from solar and wind because obviously the sun doesn't shine all the time and the wind doesn't blow all the time. So if you have those three things, you can uh, you can convert all of Earth to a fully sustainable situation, uh, many times over actually. So um, I would like to just you know make it clear that there, there is a path to a fully sustainable future for humanity, and we our goal at Tesla is to accelerate progress on that path as much as humanly possible. So. Um, yeah, so we were obviously ramping up mega pack production, um, and uh, we, we expect to, it to grow at a rate um, quite a bit faster than our big old uh, output. Um, so, in conclusion, we are taking a view that we want to keep making and selling as many cars as we can. Uh, we believe we can keep pushing for strong volume growth while retaining the industry's best operating margins. As we mentioned many times before, we want to be the best manufacturer. Um, really, manufacturing technology will be our, our most important long-term strength. So, uh, and we'll talk more about our upcoming plans at the March 1st Investor Day. And, and lastly, I want to once again thank all of our employees for delivering another record-breaking year. Congratulations, guys. Well, you certainly love hearing best year ever on every level. I mean, it doesn't really get better than that, does it? That's about the, the most awesome thing he could possibly say to describe the year that's just been completed. That is a very, very impactful statement. Now, other takeaways from Elon's opening statement, which, by the way, maybe we should start, you know, we got the Super Bowl coming up. Maybe we should start betting on the length of the uh, Elon opening statement on each earnings call, kind of like how you can bet on the over-under for the national anthem of how, how long the national anthem's going to be at the Super Bowl. All right. Anyway, it's definitely good to hear that Elon values affordability even more than profits. That is, you know, something that I think you might, he might have had a, a hard time convincing people of over the last couple of years, but now with these big price cuts... It is, uh, it is nice to see him reaffirm that. And I'm glad he, he took a minute out of his statement there to address how important it is for people to be able to afford Tesla's cars. I mean, it's something, it's not new. He said this in the past before, uh, but he more recently, he has obviously heard the complaints from folks out there who ended up on the wrong side of this big price cut and again, I'm not saying those folks don't have reason to be upset, but you heard Elon kind of, I guess, indirectly comment on that when he said that the big price cut is, quote, a good thing, all things considered. In fact, it's not a surprise to hear him say that orders are now coming in at twice the rate of production, which I suspect has to mean that the wait times are going to go back up again soon, hopefully not to the one-year backlog that on the Model Y that uh, that was happening for a while, but wait times may very well be going back up very, very quickly. Also, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself a bit here, but I didn't realize until after I listened to the entire call 
that nobody asked a question about when the Model 3 long-range dual motor is going to come back on the menu. It's been a while now. It's been off menu for a few months at this point. I mean, Tesla, in fact, more than that, I think it's been, was it last summer? I want to say that. I think it was last summer. Anyway, uh, Tesla must have plenty of LFP battery packs in order to supply those base model orders since, I mean, we just know that statistically the performance models of any of the Teslas, but particularly the high volume cars, the three and the Y, the performance versions do not account for a large percentage of orders. If I were to guess, and I would, this is an educated guess, I think it's probably 10% of orders, though admittedly it is just a guess. I don't know the real number, but Anyway, it's also neat to hear that they now have 100 million miles of, and I'm glad they specified this, non-highway full self-driving beta data, meaning actual city street usage, and that Tesla will continue to use every battery cell it can get from any supplier. That was another thing that jumped out at me from Elon's opening statement there. They're gonna, again, he's said this before, but it's still true even with these drastic ramping up of their own in-house cell production, they're still gonna gobble up every battery cell they can get from any of their suppliers. That's a good sign for the continued growth of Tesla and hopefully the continued affordability of Teslas and of electric vehicles. So all in all, lots of positivity in here, although I do have one bit of I'll say not unexpected bad news to break for all of you in just a little while. I hate to I hate to tease a, a bad thing like this, but you'll know it when you hear it. It's coming up a little later on. First, let's let's stick with some good news. Let's get to some of the retail investor questions that made it onto the call by way of getting upvoted on say.com ahead of the call. The first clip I'd like to play for you here is regarding Elon's, shall we say, newfound political activity on Twitter. The specific question within this most upvoted comment from from the retail investors on Say.com was, I mean, it involved that as the setup, but the ultimate question was, does Tesla track brand favorability? And it was in regards to Elon's behavior and its potential effect on the company. So here's Elon's response to that. Well, let, let me let me check my Twitter account. Um, okay, so I've got 127 million followers. Um, it continues to grow very rapidly. Um, that suggests that I'm, you know, reasonably popular. Um, in, um, I might not be popular by, with some people, but for the vast majority of people, my follow account speaks for itself. Um, uh, I'm the most interactive account, uh, social media account, I think, maybe in the world, um, certainly on Twitter. Uh, and that uh, actually predated the Twitter acquisition. So um, I think Twitter is actually an incredibly powerful tool for driving demand for Tesla. And I would really encourage <coughs> companies out there of all kinds, uh, automotive or otherwise, to make um, more, more use of Twitter um, and to, to use their Twitter accounts in ways that are interesting and informative, uh, entertaining, and it will help 
them drive sales, just as it has with with Tesla. Um, so um, the, the net value of Twitter, uh, apart from you know a few people are you know, complaining, um, is gigantic, obviously. Well, maybe you had a different read on this than I did, but it sounded to me like Elon was basically advocating for Tesla fans to effectively advertise Tesla for free on Twitter, the platform that Elon owns, which would make Twitter in turn very valuable to Tesla. So really, I don't think he particularly addressed the question, which is unfortunate. I'd like to know if they're tracking brand favorability but I'm glad it was upvoted enough to at least be put in front of him. So again, we we don't know the answer to that question. I would have to guess, based on Elon's response there, the answer's probably no. It seems to me that the more Twitter followers that Elon Musk has, the higher Tesla's brand favorability is in his mind. All right, next up, let's get an update on the 4680 cell ramp from Drew Baglino, the battery guru at Tesla. This question has been upvoted nearly every quarter for at least the last year or so. And I'm glad it does. I'm glad it gets upvoted because those 4680s are such a key component of the next decade of Tesla's growth. Here's Drew. Uh, first, I just want to say congrats and thanks to the Tesla 4680 team for achieving uh, 1K a week and. Q4 uh, was no small feat. Uh, definitely a result of, you know, um, more than a couple of years of hard work. Um, as far as where we stand in Texas, one of four lines are in production, with the remaining three in stages of commissioning and install. Um, really, our 2023 goal as a 4680 team is to deliver a cost-effective ramp of 4680s well ahead of Cybertruck. Uh, focus areas are dialing in and improving the quality of the high-volume supplied mechanical parts and driving factory process yields up as much as possible. Uh, between the two of those things, if we achieve uh, those those key goals, uh, we'll be well set up to uh, for a major 4680 year in 2024. I love the details in this answer. One out of four 4680 battery cell production lines is operational in Giga Texas at the battery production facility that they're scaling up there. And the big goal, as you heard, is to get, here's the key word, cost-effective 4680 batteries ready to go for Cybertruck. In other words, not early ramp, super expensive to make 4680 cells. They want to be ready to have the batteries not send the cost way up to make each Cybertruck. Because remember, the Cybertruck is going to have the biggest battery of any Tesla vehicle in the passenger fleet. Obviously, the semi is excluded there. The 500 mile range version that of the Cybertruck that Tesla's going to be building first will no doubt be quite a bit larger in the battery pack department than the 99 kilowatt hour pack that's in the new S and the new X. How much bigger? Well, that is pretty impossible for us to accurately speculate on for now. What we can do is look at the other EV pickup trucks. I'll just give you one example with Rivian. Rivian, the R1T, uses a 129-kilowatt-hour battery pack and gets a range of roughly 300 miles. Now, we know Tesla is generally more efficient with their drivetrains, etc., etc., so it's not a total one-to-one apples-to-apples thing with 
kilowatt hours to range from a Rivian R1T to a Cybertruck, but you can use that number, that 129 kilowatt hour number and the 300 mile number from Rivian as a jumping off point to guess. And that means we're probably looking at 150 kilowatt hours or so, but perhaps it could even be a bit more. Because again, I'm factoring in that Tesla tends to be much, much more efficient and get get more, more range out of fewer kilowatt hours. But 150 is probably the minimum. Uh, the battery pack could get a lot larger than that for a Cybertruck. And again, as we know, the battery pack is still, even though Tesla is doing their darndest to get the, the cost of that battery pack way down, the battery pack remains the most expensive single component in any electric vehicle. So uh, the more batteries, <laughs> the more cells in a Cybertruck, the more, the more expensive it is, or at least the higher the cost is to Tesla to make that Cybertruck. All right, next up, remember that bad news that I hinted at earlier? Well, here it is. We're gonna get it out of the way. The question posed here, again, very glad this was upvoted. The question was about whether or not the Cybertruck is still gonna be the first vehicle to have autopilot hardware for, and more importantly, whether or not there will be an upgrade path for hardware three cars, AKA basically all of our cars. Here is Elon Musk's response to that. Um, yeah, Cybertruck will have a hardware four. <clears throat> And um, um, you know, for 2023, Cybertruck will not be, you know, a really a significant contributor <clears throat> um, to the bottom line. But but it will be in uh, next year. Um, so it's an incredible product. Uh, I can't <clears throat> I can't wait to drive it personally. It will be the car that I drive uh, every day. Actually, just I'm wearing the T-shirt with the smashed glass. Um, <laughs> um, and um, it's just it's just one of those products that only comes along once in a while, and it's really special. So, um, yeah. So, with respect to upgrading cars on, that have hardware three, I, I don't think that will be needed. Um, hardware three will not be as as good as hardware four, but I'm confident that hardware three will still far exceed the average the safety of the average human. So what we're aiming for is like, well, how do we get ultimately to, you know, let's say for argument's sake, if um, hardware three can be say two or three hundred percent safer than human, hardware four might be, you know, five or six hundred percent. There will be a hardware five beyond that. Um, but um, what what really matters is, is is are we improving the average safety on the road? Um, so. Uh, but, but, but it is, it is um, the cost and difficulty of retrofitting hardware three with hardware four um, is, 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 quite, is quite significant. So it, it would not be, I think, uh, economically feasible to do so. You know how I often say I'd love to be wrong about this when I make a prediction about something? <laughs> this was one of those times. I am bummed out that I was right about this. Now, I had been expecting this answer regarding the lack of an upgrade path from hardware 3 to hardware 4, but it still stings. I also imagine that this is going to really hurt the resale value of the hardware 3 fleet once hardware 4 gets out there. And it also remains to be seen how Tesla is going to handle 
pricing and features. And, and what I mean by that is if hardware four is objectively better and it will be, you heard Elon say that it'll be even safer than an average human than hardware three is. How does Tesla account for that? Will Tesla raise the price of FSD again once hardware four is being installed in every car at every factory? Will there be autonomous functions that hardware four can do that hardware three can't? Is that a possibility? There are just still a lot of unanswered questions about this upcoming, very important hardware transition, but at least we got the number one question on many people's minds, including mine, answered on this call. Unfortunately, it's not the answer that we were hoping for. All right, next up. Remember the caution flag that I raised from the shareholder letter at the beginning of the show about the vaguer timing for the start of Cybertruck production? Here, Elon was asked directly by enough retail shareholders who, again, upvoted the question about this very thing. So here is Elon speaking to it himself rather than it being a line item in the shareholder letter. Um. It, we, we, do, we do expect production to start, um, you know, I don't know, maybe sometime this summer. But it's, I always like try to downplay the start of production because the start of production is always very slow. Um, uh, but it, it increases exponentially, but it's always very slow at first. So I wouldn't put too much stock in start of production. It's kind of when, when does volume production actually happen, and that's that's next year. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's right, Elon. Like, just to emphasize on that, we've started installation all the production equipment here in Giga, Texas, um, castings, GA, uh, General Assembly, body shops. We built all our beta vehicles. Some more coming still in the next months. But as you said, the ramp will really come 20, 2024. Yeah, exactly. So it's good to hear summer reaffirmed in kind of in contrast to the shareholder letter, I would say. But at the same time, you could hear it in Elon's voice there. He literally said he was downplaying the start of production. But Drew parachuting in with some welcome details, talking about how the factory's being prepared and that the beta vehicles have been built. Elon brought that up, the beta vehicle thing, on the last earnings call, and it sounds like it has now happened. The big question then is, will these beta trucks be allowed out on public roads? If so... It's obviously impossible to hide them. So that means they will be photographed and videoed extensively. I sure hope that happens soon. I just can't wait. It will be so cool to start seeing the near final production Cybertrucks out in the wild. Again, I maintain my prediction that Tesla is going to show off the pre-production Cybertruck near final and the Cybertruck production line at this investor day coming up at Giga Texas on March 1st. All right, on to analyst questions now. And this first answer I want to play for you was in response to a question about Tesla's guidance for 1.8 million vehicles produced this year. That is what they're saying that we think we're going to we're going to make 1.8 million cars in 2023. This is how Elon responded. Well, okay. I mean, our our internal production potential is actually closer to two million vehicles, but we uh, 
you know, we're saying 1.8 because I don't know. There just always seems to be some friggin' force majeure thing that happens somewhere on Earth, <laughs> and uh, you know, we don't control if there's like earthquakes, tsunamis, wars, you know, pandemics, uh, etc. <laughs> so, um, if 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 it's, a, if it's a smooth year, actually, you know, without some big uh, supply chain interruption or massive problem, we actually have the potential to do two million cars this year. Um, we're not committing to that, but I'm just saying that's the potential. So, and and I think there's, there would be demand for that too. Well, the big negative thing that Tesla seems to be bracing for, you heard it mentioned in the shareholder letter and Elon mentioned it a couple of times on the earnings call, is a recession. Let's certainly hope it doesn't happen and let's hope there isn't anything else that throws the world's economies or and or supply chains into chaos this year. Two million cars would be a heck of a leap for Tesla from the 1.369 million they just produced in 2022. I know it's 50%. It's exactly what they've been guiding, but it's still just numerically speaking, that is a that is a big jump, uh, particularly if the Cybertruck ends up, as you heard Elon in the last clip, not being a meaningful contributor to that number. Meaning that if they do hit two million, I would expect the bulk of the extra 200,000 cars past the 1.8 million they are officially guiding will be Model Y, likely coming from better than expected production at the two new factories, right? Since we know that Fremont and Shanghai are both pretty well operating at maximum capacity. They are humming along. Next up was a question about battery costs and the small footprint that's needed to do that 100 gigawatt hour battery factory in Giga Nevada. And it led to an interesting nugget about what's planned for the future. I don't think we want to say the specific number, but it's interesting if you look at the size of the of, of Giga Nevada that is allocated to make 100 gigawatt hours is a small fraction of the size that currently makes about 35. Yeah, I mean, the the goals we outlaid at Battery Day on reducing the investment required to deploy cell manufacturing. I mean, that's been a, a key focus of ours, and the team is doing a good job hitting 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 the marks on the on that focus. Yeah, and it goes back to the point I was making, and I, I, you know, I said this several years ago. I think tells us um, really that this, the competitive strength that will be by far the hardest for other companies to replicate is Tesla being just damn good at manufacturing and having the most advanced manufacturing technology in the world. Um, and if you've got that sort of advanced manufacturing toolbox, you can apply it to many things. And we're applying it now to battery cells. Um, I should also say that there, we have other products in development. We're not going to announce them, obviously, um, but, but they're ex- very exciting. Um, and I think we'll blow, blow people's minds when you know when they when we reveal them. Uh, Tesla has the most exciting product roadmap of any company on earth by, by a long shot, and um, yeah, we'll continue. We'll, you know, we'll continue to I think be in that position. We, we, we got more great ideas than we, we know what to do with here. Um, so um, the future is very exciting. I, as I said in the last call, I. I you know, there's there's going to be bumps along the way, and and uh, 
you know, I think we'll probably have a you know pretty difficult recession this year. Probably, I hope not, but probably. Um, and so, you, you know, one can't predict the short-term sort of stock value because, um, you know, when there's a recession and people panic in the stock market, then uh, you know, prices of stocks, with value of stocks, can can drop sometimes to surprisingly low levels. But long-term, I am convinced that Tesla will be the most valuable company on earth. Hmm. Other products in development that are, quote, pretty exciting. Presumably, this is Gen 3, a.k.a. that compact sedan and compact SUV platform. But it's interesting to hear him mention their toolbox of manufacturing capability being applied to other things. I also completely agree with him, by the way, that in the long term, Tesla will be the most valuable company on Earth. I know it's a huge shock, sarcasm, that a self-professed Tesla fanboy like me, who's done a podcast about this company every single week for the past seven and a half years, agrees with that statement. But in all seriousness, I just don't see how they're not on that path. It's not if, but when they get to 20 million cars per year, plus the solar business, plus the energy storage business, plus the wild card that is the Optimus project, plus FSD, plus the stuff we don't even know about yet, like, say, as an example, the home HVAC system that Elon has talked repeatedly about wanting to do. There is so much awesome stuff going on at this company that its amazingly talented team is absolutely capable of turning into reality that, again, I just don't doubt for a second that Tesla is going to be the world's most valuable company someday, probably sooner rather than later. All right, I've got a few more clips for you. Next up, Drew and Elon wrestle with a question about what all of that new 100 gigawatt hour 4680 cell capacity out of Giga Nevada will be used for. They're not all going in, that's not all 100 gigawatt hours going into the Tesla semi-trucks, is it? I don't know. This is a bit too much guessing at this point. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, you're, you're right. Not yeah. all of the 100 gigawatt hours are going to go into the semi trucks. That is correct. I mean, I, we can. say, like, we, 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 you know, I alluded to, you know, a number of future products. Those future products would use the 4680. So, again, this has got to be the Gen 3 platform, right? I mean, I talked about it earlier in the podcast when I was going over the Giga Nevada expansion. I mean, that's what makes the most sense to me. But then again, Tesla is a really hard company to predict. So we shall see. Say, what about commercial vehicles outside of the Tesla Semi? Well, I was basically saying that, yes, but I'm not going to give you details because this is uh, nice try. Nice try. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, so... You know, we have to always look at like what is the limiting factor for new vehicles because if if, if the you know, for the longest time we've been constrained on uh, total cell you know lithium ion production output, um, and so people say like why why not bring this other car to market or that other car to market? Well, it doesn't really help if all you're doing is shuffling around the the, the batteries from one car to another. In fact, it hurts because you add complexity but you don't add incremental volume. So it's it's sort of Pointless. In fact, counter, like, it's counterproductive to to add uh, model complexity 
uh, without solving the um, availability of lithium-ion batteries. So as we saw, as as we get, uh, so we want we want a new product interact new product introduction to match where the cells are available for that new product to use those cells without cannibalizing the cells of the other cars. <laughs> but that, that's the actual limiting factor for new, new models, not anything else really. Okay, so you can let your imagination run a bit wild on this one. What other commercial vehicles? Could it be, we got cargo vans could be on the list, box trucks, UPS or FedEx delivery vehicles. I know we can, we can exclude Amazon since they've already got that big contract with Rivian to electrify their delivery vans. We could be doing cement mixers, buses, etc. Uh, I cannot wait to see what other problems Tesla wants to solve. I'll tell you this. I wish they could get a contract to do a new fleet of postal delivery vehicles for the USPS, but instead we're getting some kind of weird mobile on that one. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. Look up the new electric USPS uh, delivery vehicle. It is very strange, very strange looking. Anyway, uh, the final clip that I have for you this week is about the recent price adjustments. How does it change the competitive landscape? And who is Tesla's big competitor in the next five years? You know, I was, I was with the um, Tesla Autopart AI team uh, late, until late, late last night. Um, and just we were just asking, I was just like, so who do we think is close to Tesla with for a general solution for self-driving? And, and we still... Don't, don't even know really who would even be a distant second. So, yeah, we, we, it, it, it really seems like we're, um, I mean, you, I, I, right now, I don't think you could see second place with a telescope. So, or at least we can't. Um, so, um, I don't, that won't last forever. So, in, in, in five years, I don't know the Probably somebody has figured it out. <laughs> um, I don't think it's any of the car companies that we're aware of. Um, but I, I, I'm just guessing that someone might figure it out eventually. Um, so, yeah. I mean, beyond that, Elon, like in the in the vehicle space, even though the market's shrinking, we're growing, and EVs have doubled almost year over year. So, like, it, it whoever keeps up with the, the, the trend of EVs is, is going to be your competitor. And, you know, the Chinese are scary. We always say that. Um, but, but like, you know, I, a lot of people always look at the, you know, EV market share, but we always look at it as how much of the total vehicle space do we have? And we're just going to keep growing in that space. It's not, there's 95% for us to go get. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to say like, uh, you know, um, I think um, we have a lot of respect for the, Car companies in China, they are the most competitive in the world. That is our experience. And the Chinese market is the most competitive. Um, they work the hardest and they work the smartest. That's so a lot of respect for the China car companies that we're competing against. Um, and um, so if I, if I were to guess, it would probably some company out of China is the most likely, um, you know, to, to, to be second, you know, to Tesla. Um, and, but we, we are, uh, uh, the Tesla China, China team is winning in China. <laughs> so we, yeah. 
Um, and I think we actually are able to attract the, the best talent in China. Uh, so um, hopefully that continues. So yeah, um, super fired up about the future and yeah, it's going to be great. I think Drew has the right focus here, and that is on the overall car market, that other 95% of the car market. That's who these price cuts go after, not the 5% of the market that's trying to compete in the EV space. Because at the end of the day, it's all about getting more people out of an internal combustion engine vehicle and into an electric vehicle, not about getting somebody from one EV into a different EV. And you know, Elon might be right about China because as an overall car market, the Chinese market, car market, is ahead of both the North American, uh, definitely the North American, but also the European car markets in terms of taking electric vehicles seriously. I mean, Tesla's basically dragging everyone in those latter two markets along kicking and screaming. China is actually putting up a legitimate effort even without Tesla Shanghai doing its thing. But Tesla is clearly still very well positioned to be the worldwide leader in the EV space when you look at it. If nothing else, their scale, when you look at their scale. Tesla is scaling in a way that really no one else can until they start building and operating their own battery factories. That is the secret sauce to this whole scale, you know, EVs at scale thing. I mean, I could go on, but that's the conversation ending reason right there. And that's the end of this quarter's earnings call. By the way, ahead of the earnings call this week, so early in the week, I had polled the Ride the Lightning audience to ask all of you what you thought the big topic on this week's earnings call, this past week's earnings call, was going to be. You said... In fact, 67% of you, two-thirds of nearly 200 voters said the price cuts, with 25% voting for the Cybertruck status update. I would say that the two-thirds of you who did vote price cuts were right. It was definitely the most asked about thing by the analysts on the call, even if it didn't quite dominate the hour-long shareholder call, as much as I, I really did thought I was with you. I thought that was going to be just the absolute nonstop topic the entire hour. So again, thanks to everybody that voted. And remember that voting in that Patreon poll each week is open to anyone. You don't have to be a Patreon backer. So you can look for the new poll. It typically goes up Tuesday nights, again, on patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. All right. I will be right back with your pro tip of the week and a bit more right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. I still get a huge smile on my face every single time I hear that. I mean, I don't I don't want to toot my own horn in any way, but it feels like I made it like I've I've accomplished something with this podcast. If I've got Franz von Holzhausen recording a promo for me, that is just so cool. It's so much fun. By the way, thank you to talented listener and Patreon backer Oliver Bornfelt for cleaning up the audio on that promo that Franz kindly recorded for me. Thank you to Matthew Para as well, who had also jumped in. Oliver beat him to it, but Matthew also was like, hey, I'll clean, I'll clean this up for you. So thank you both for making that awesome little 
Little clip from Franz, even better. Uh, what's happening with me this week? Well, we had a little bit of a scare with my wife's aging Mini Cooper. It started running like absolute crap. And my wife was like, I think it's dead. I don't know if it's going to get me to where I need to go tomorrow. She ended up taking it in. It was sp just spark plugs for now. Pretty cheap. But I'll tell you, for a bit there, I was on... I was looking at the new inventory of Model 3s, uh, seeing, you know, what was available, and then just checking the design studio, and thankfully for a base Model 3, at least as of this week, you know, I talked about on, earlier in the podcast that with those orders coming in at twice the rate of production, the wait, the wait list is probably going to get longer again, but for the moment, it was showing January, February delivery for a base Model 3, so Tesla's clearly pumping those out at a, at a pretty good clip. For the time being, although again, that that could change as the orders number of orders start to overwhelm the amount of production. Uh, the entertainment recommendation that I have for you this week: this is the hot show of the moment, and it is really good. Whether you've played the video game that it's based on or not, the show is The Last of Us on HBO. It is a zombie show, and yes, you've probably seen plenty of zombie shows in your day, but this one is excellent. The leads are. Uh, Bella Ramsey playing Ellie, uh, who you'll find out in the first, even just in the first episode, why she is significant. And then the other lead is Joel, who is played by the fantastic Pedro Pascal, a.k.a. The Mandalorian. And boy, it is, yeah, the first couple episodes are tremendous. And what I've heard from colleagues who've seen the whole series, who've done the, the review, they got the screeners from HBO, that episode three, which is the one that's up this weekend, right now for you know, or or tonight, if you, depending on when you're listening to this, it, the show airs on Sunday nights. Episode three is supposed to be like an incredible, like the best episode of the season. So, uh, do check that show out, whether you've played the video game before or not. It is very, very good. Also, very good is this week's pro tip of the week. It comes from Matt in Los Angeles. Hi, Ryan. It's Matt from Los Angeles again. I wanted to give a pro tip suggestion for Model Y, S, and X owners since those cars suffer from a low-frequency, rumbling, boomy-type sound when driving around. The entire trunk lid basically acts as a giant subwoofer cone bobbing up and down slightly as you drive around with a stock rubber gasket that it comes with. It's kind of smooshy. It's a sound that always bothered me in my Model S. But I found a great video by a YouTube user, I Love Coffee, that explains how to improve it in the Model Y that I just picked up. You basically buy 5 sixteenths inch vinyl tubing from a hardware store, and then you lubricate it with a 303 brand UV protectant spray or wipes, and then you slide those pieces of the tubing inside the rubber gasket surrounding the trunk opening. There's like these little holes about every foot or so in the gasket, and you cut the tip of the tubing on an angle to help you get them in there. It basically provides a stiffer seal against the trunk lid, and it keeps it from moving up and down as much. The trunk had a little bit of effort closing at first, but after a few minutes, the opening and closing returned to normal. And now, the thumps of the suspension travel can still be heard through the floor of the car, but the boomy, bassy kind of resonant sound that used to come with it from the trunk lid is greatly reduced, and it makes the car sound much quieter and feel more solid. I'm very happy with the improvement, and it was inexpensive and fairly easy to install, so I'd highly recommend it. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for sharing that one, Matt, because I have to confess, as a Model 3 owner, I wasn't aware of this one. 
So I am happy to pass this along to all of the S, X, and Y owners out there who can benefit from it. And if anybody else out there listening to this right now has a good pro tip of the week, something that's not super obvious, some little shortcut or or what have you, life hack that you've found that, that enhances your Tesla experience, please call in with it. Send it in to me so that I can share it with everybody else. You can dial in using the Ride the Lightning Hotline, which actually I should just mention anyway. I, I'm not, I don't have time to do any calls this week, as, as is often the case with the earnings calls, because uh, the earnings call takes up the whole show. But you can call in either with a just regular call if you want to respond to something either that you heard me talk about or something from the earnings call or shareholder letter. Drop me a line, and it's also the same way that you submit those pro tips of the week. So you can either call in and leave a message anytime, day or night, on the Ride the Lightning hotline. That number is toll-free. It's 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. Or you can just use your phones, your smartphones, built-in voice recording software, Record your question. Regardless of how you submit your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many calls each week as possible. And then email that file to me at the email address, teslapodcast at gmail.com. All right. uh, With that, we are nearly at the end of the podcast. Let me just say hello and thank you to the upper tier Patreon backers and some friends of the podcast that might be able to help you out, starting with abstractocean.com. They continue to very kindly offer that 15% discount off of your first order if you're doing a a, a first-time order at abstractocean.com. They've got so much great aftermarket stuff for any of the four Teslas. I'm sure when the Cybertruck does roll out, they're gonna have plenty of cool stuff for that as well. But just my advice, Take a look on abstractocean.com. You know, no no pressure to buy anything. Obviously, there's never any pressure for me to buy anything. But take a look. See what they've got for your car, because you can just sort by car. And then, uh, you know, take a. if you end up liking some stuff, throw it in your shopping cart. And when you get to checkout, that coupon code for that 15% off is RTL Podcast. All one word, no space in there. So again, abstractocean.com coupon code RTL podcast. Next up, the snap plate available for all four currently in production Teslas, the three, the Y, the X, and the S. Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. It's your front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds. It's paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe. It's not going to interfere with everything. And it's also not going to leave any unsightly hardware or sticky tape residue or anything else behind because it doesn't use sticky tape the way that the license plate frame for the front end that Tesla provides for you with your car does use the sticky automotive tape. So you can take this, you can take the snap plate off if you're going to be at a car show. You want your car to look a little sharper without that front plate. Maybe you want to put that that, uh, snap plate back on when you're parked at a parking meter to avoid a potential ticket. You know, whatever whatever you want to do, on or off, it's there for you. Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. Budgetsafesolar.com, an alternative that I definitely recommend to Tesla. Yes, you're going to take a look at Tesla Solar, as I did. And hopefully that's going to work out great for you. I hope it does. It didn't for me. Budgetsafesolar.com did work out for me. I'm still 
We're in our, our holding pattern. That's not budget safe solar's fault. It's my local utility provider. We're just waiting on them for permission to operate. One of these shows, hopefully in the next couple of shows, I'll be able to finally report to you that I am generating power from the sun to fuel my Model 3. I look forward to being able to give you that report. But uh, if you are considering solar, you're, all, you're gonna take a look at Tesla, but take a look at budgetsafesolar.com. Act soon, why? Because tomorrow your neighborhood may have reached its circuit capacity and may not be able to handle another customer supplying that aged infrastructure with excess solar-generated energy until repairs are completed who knows when. Don't get shut out because you thought that unattractive roof had another year left in it. Visit them today at budgetsafesolar.com and use the referral code if you do proceed with an installation. The referral code is RTL. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections. Get your paint correction, your paint protection film on the front or maybe most or maybe all of the car. Get your ceramic coating. Any of those great detailing services will be done expertly at Immaculate Reflections. If you are either in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, go to the website irdetailing.com to get in touch with Jeff, the owner and proprietor there. When you do so via irdetailing.com, mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener, and if you book any of those detailing services with Immaculate Reflections, you'll be given a nice little discount just for mentioning that you're a listener of this podcast. How about puretesla.com slash RTL? That is your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. It's a micro SD-based solution, which is just going to be better in the long term in terms of the physical reliability of that puretesla.com slash RTL kit. So get yours for 49 bucks, shipped free anywhere in the US. $49 is for the 128 gigabyte version. If you wanna to go to 256 gigs, that's a $69 item. They also sell the nice slimline wireless game controller kits if you do a lot of game playing in your Tesla. So uh, works with Mac or PC, comes right out of the package, straight into your car. It'll work, ready to go. Nothing that you have to do. They will ship anywhere worldwide, but again, free shipping anywhere in the U.S. The website again, puretesla.com slash RTL. Finally, uh, my Patreon, I mentioned it at the top, but Patreon is the way that you can choose to support this podcast if you're not familiar with Patreon. It's basically, it is a way for people to support the creators they love in an ongoing way, whether that's authors, musicians, poets, novelists, podcasters, etc., etc. And what it is, is it's a very safe, secure website that's been around for a while. Uh, I've been on it for, what, I guess five and a half, six and a half years? Yeah, six and a half years, I think now. And there are different support tiers. Supporting at five bucks a month will get you early access to each week's show. Or again, I want to mention any of the pledge tiers. I've now upped that annual discount to 10%. So if you do the annual pledge, you'll get 10% off. So like doing the 
what, the $10 a month, that ludicrous tier that'll get you the early access and that weekly bonus mini episode that there are now over 30 of. And anytime you join the Patreon, you instantly get access to the entire back catalog, all 30-something of those lightning round mini episodes. So that's what, 10 bucks a month, 120 a year. So you'll get 12 bucks off of that. You know, that's it's that's getting more than a month free, basically. Uh, more than, you know, free in terms of the perk you're getting. So uh, check that out if you get a chance, because I do put a lot of love into this podcast, a lot of time, research, energy, uh, and enthusiasm. And hopefully all of that comes through. So if you see it in your heart to support me, you can do so on my Patreon page found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can get this podcast anywhere podcasts are available, which means most of the major podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. Those two are available. You can, just, you can listen natively to this podcast right in your car. Or uh, I'm very grateful to be able to say that the Franz interview pushed my YouTube subscriber count up over 10,000. That's I feel like that's that that's might be the most subscribers any channel has where there are no actual videos on the channel. Because it's, as I say, I fairly warn you, it's just an audio, it's a syndication platform for me. It just, it's... My my uh, hosting service automatically does it for me, just puts it on YouTube. There is no video, but it's, again, you know, if you just want to have a browser tab open and listen to the podcast that way, you're welcome to do so via YouTube. So if you want to do that, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube. You should find my channel very quickly, and you can subscribe to it from there, and you will be notified every time a new episode drops, which is, of course every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, unless you are a Patreon backer, in which case you get early access to each week's show. All right, you can email me anytime. My email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram if you're on either of those social media platforms and you'd like to follow what I'm up to on there. DMC underscore Ryan on both of those. The Instagram is all Tesla all the time. I post a few times a week. If you post a picture, you know, something up there a few times a week. Twitter, I'm on every day of the work week, Monday through Friday. But it is a, a mostly video game stuff with the occasional Tesla chatter in there as well. So uh, there's that. And with that, let me say hello and thank you to those upper tier Patreon supporters. Let me start with the Roadster in Space tier backers. They are... The most generous of the most generous. Thank you so much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacovetto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, and Carol Weston. Next, I will thank the Maximum Plaid backers, ho- hopefully all of whom I'll see at... Next weekend's, the first, the beginning of February, the first weekend of February, uh, it'll be next Saturday, February 4th, the uh, monthly Patreon Zoom hangout for the Maximum Plaid backers and 
a one-time invite. The Maximum Plaid folks get invited every month. Anybody that makes a new pledge to the Patreon or upgrades their pledge gets a one-time thank you invitation to one of those Zoom hangouts. So thank you very much to the Maximum Plaid backers, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Corey O'Donnell, Scott Gillis, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, and Adam Lavoie. Finally, the grandfathered-in Plaid-level supporters. They continue to be very generous supporting me at the otherwise discontinued Plaid tier, but I grandfather them in on all the perks because they're kind enough to continue backing me. So thank you so much. Going out to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado, B-A-E-R, Bear Boys of Colorado. Thank you all very much for your very kind and generous and ongoing Patreon support. I'm here for you each and every Sunday, of course, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific for everybody or a day early for everybody that's backing me on Patreon. And with that, we've come to the end of one of four quarterly episode, quarterly earnings call recap episodes each year. These are always fun. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. It's always hectic for me because the call is on Wednesday. So it is a sprint. Normally I work on the podcast every day, like a little bit every day, uh, but there's you know not a ton to do in earnings call weeks on Monday and Tuesday. So that's all right. We got there. Hopefully it feels like we got there. I feel pretty good about this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla... It's the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment.
It's maximum fun. <laughs>